Facebook ads, nine factors that impact cost per conversion. It's the audio version for the blog post found at johnloomer.com slash convert. So one of the primary reasons marketers run Facebook ads is for conversions. They're trying to sell a product or build an email list. Facebook ads, of course, aren't magical. Many advertisers are disappointed when they run campaigns that don't yield the expected results. They assume it's easy. They assume that once they start the campaign, the money will roll in. Now, while not magical, Facebook ads are powerful. They're an amazing tool to help brands reach their ideal audience with a message. But Facebook doesn't force users to convert. Now, many advertisers ask me, why didn't this campaign lead to conversions? My answer is typically a shrug. There's a long list of reasons why that campaign didn't work out. So I wrote this post to help answer such a question. Here are nine major factors that need to be understood and split tested for optimal results. And by results, note that I'm focusing on cost per conversion. That is the one KPI that matters in this case, not CPC or CTR, for example. Your focus is on the cost per desired action. So number one, product. Now let's face it, the product needs to be first. You could create the perfect campaign. It could have eye-catching imagery, convincing copy, and a slick landing page. But none of that matters if the product sucks. The perfect campaign can't fix a flawed product. This is the most often missed explanation for disappointing results. Marketers often refuse to consider that maybe, just maybe, their product isn't all that interesting. Number two, audience. The product may be most important, but the audience is close behind. You can run the perfect campaign for the perfect product, but it won't convert unless it reaches the right people. Understand that there is likely a large audience of people at various stages of willingness to convert. You can't hit them all with the hard sell. So see your potential audience like this. First of all, those who don't know you but have relevant interests. So when targeting these people, most will ignore your ad. They don't know enough about you or your product yet to trust you. Some will have interest. Of those who have interest, a small percentage will be willing to buy. You need to understand that those who have interest but aren't ready to buy, ready to buy now have value. Reach them with the right message. The second group, those who know you but haven't bought from you. So there's an important group of people who, haven't, who have visited your website, like your Facebook page, or on your email, email list. They already know enough about you to form an opinion, hopefully positive. While you have a reputation, these people haven't yet used your product. So as a result, a larger percentage of this group will have interest. A larger percentage will be willing to buy. Still, you need to understand that many simply aren't ready yet. They need to be nurtured. And then the final group, those who have bought from you before. So the smallest, the most valuable group of people. They know who you are. They bought from you. As a result, they are likely to have a strong opinion about your brand and your product. A very large percentage of this group, if they've had a positive experience with your product, is likely to have some interest. Message them with the understanding that they know your product. Leverage that. 
So it's important to me message these groups differently. They are not created equal. All right, so back to the list of the nine factors impacting your cost per conversion. Number three, copy. So sometimes long copy works. Sometimes short copy works. There is no universal right and wrong here, but know that it impacts the performance of your campaign. Your audience should also help determine your copy. Should it be conversational or professional? Slang or no slang? If your ad copy includes bad grammar and misspellings, don't expect it to perform. Of course, your audience matters here, but this will almost always result in a bad impression. Little things like all caps or capitalizing each word of your, your, co your copy can impact performance. I'd say using either technique will typically result in negative performance, but that's not a guarantee. And finally, finally, your copy should work to convince the user to perform the action you want them to perform. That could be a hard sell or a soft sell. It could mean using calls to action. But ultimately, your job is to entice the user to click and convert. Now, when it comes to copy, you need a split test to find what works best for you and your audience. Number four, imagery. So there are some things that are easy. Use my dimensions infographic. Go to johnlumer.com dimensions to make sure that the image sizes you use are appropriate. Link thumbnails should, should use a 1.9 one to one aspect ratio to stretch across the width of newsfeed. Now quality will be important. Is it fuzzy? Is it easy to read? Does it make any sense? Does it grab the user's attention? Beyond that, there are many questions to ask regarding imagery. Should you feature one face or multiple faces? Should you feature your product or logo? Should you use a professional photo, candid or stock imagery? Usually no stock imagery. Should you use bright and bold colors or something softer or darker? Now, I have my personal preferences, but these are things that must be split tested. Now, number five, post type. If you run a campaign with the objective of a conversion, I will almost always recommend that your ad be a link share. Any click on a thumbnail or description will lead to your landing page, which is where you want them. Of course, some marketers will swear by the photo share post type with a link in the description. While some often follow the wrong metrics when boasting success, focusing on engagement, this isn't always the case. Particularly for very visual products like fashion, photo shares should be tested. And you also should consider the video share. Particularly given the availability of the call to action button, videos can also be very successful. Number six, the landing page. You've done everything perfectly so far. Great product, great ad, but if your landing page sucks, forget about it. Your landing page could be the problem for any number of reasons. It doesn't follow through, through on your ad's promise. The copy is too long or too short. It sells too hard or not enough. It's confusing. It doesn't look professional. It doesn't have a clear call to action. It isn't optimized for mobile devices. It asks for too much information. The conversion is too difficult and requires too many steps. Or the design and layout just aren't optimal. Advertisers who create nearly perfect campaigns will often blame Facebook for poor results when the problem can often be traced to the landing page. Number seven, social proof. 
Now, if other people, particularly those you know, like or endorse something, you're more likely to buy it. Now, on the flip side, you're less likely to buy if that product is receiving a negative response. So social proof comes in many forms, but one that is visible within your ad is the comments. So it could be get no comments, in that case it's neutral, but lots of unanswered questions. Could get lots of positive comments, that could lead to more conversions. Or you get lots of negative comments, that could lead to fewer conversions. Now, the comments are easy for advertisers to miss because they're difficult to manage. But running ad sets to the same ad, published or unpublished post, will help consolidate comments. This not only makes moderation of those comments easier, but can improve perception if your ad gets positive feedback. Number eight, optimization. If you're running a campaign for conversions, I'll almost always recommend that you optimize for conversions. That is a starting point, and as is the case with everything on Facebook, it isn't a universal rule. When you optimize for an action, Facebook needs a decent sample size to work with. This makes sense as they need to see as many people as possible who have converted so that they can find others like them. As a rule of thumb, I've often heard that it's best to have at least 50 conversions per day in order to get an acceptable sample size and optimize for conversions. Again, not a universal rule. I've had success optimizing for conversions without hitting this number, but something to consider. You can also choose to optimize for website clicks or engagement. In either case, Facebook will show your ad to people most likely to either click your link or click anywhere on the ad. That may not be your desired action, the conversion is, but just getting these people to your landing page can help lead to a conversion. Note that optimization doesn't stop at the action. You can also choose to optimize for impressions, like CPM, or limit impressions to once per day per user, which is daily unique reach. These two should be used almost exclusively for highly, highly, highly relevant audiences. Optimizing for conversions will typically lead to the most conversions since Facebook is showing your ad to people most likely to, con to convert. But feel free to split test with other optimization approaches as well. Finally, number nine, placement. Many advertisers are scared, scared of the sidebar. They assume it doesn't work based on low CTR. Maybe the sidebar doesn't work for you or your ad, but just make sure you're looking at the right numbers when making this determination. The truth is that this is fluid. Placement performance is influenced by many factors, but perhaps most important is competition. As competition goes up, the cost to reach people in that placement increases. As comp competition goes down, so does the cost. During the past couple of years, universal costs have shifted repeatedly. It wasn't long ago that mobile, while getting a high engagement rate, was the most expensive placement. It costs more to reach people there due to lower distribution and higher competition. But many advertisers have now seen this switch. As users move away from desktop into mobile devices, the inventory on desktop is decreasing while the competition is increasing. Meanwhile, more users on mobile, combined with the addition of audience network, results in more inventory and less competition. The sidebar has seen major structural changes. Facebook previously showed up to seven, showed up to seven sidebar ads at a time. This increased inventory while lowering cost and engagement. Number of sidebar ads was then cut to two. 
increasing engagement and costs while decreasing inventory. And now that number has been up to three. So don't ever assume that one will always work or the other won't work. Keep experimenting. Convert with confidence. So I'm gonna take a deep dive into successfully converting with Facebook ads in my upcoming workshop. You can learn more about that if you go to johnlimmer.com slash CWC. So advertisers are trying to sell on Facebook tend to struggle with the following. Reaching people ready to buy, scaling success to higher budgets, and achieving long-term positive ROI. Those who attend my 90-minute workshop will walk away with the following. An understanding of the four-step Facebook sales funnel, a realization that users are at distinct stages of your funnel and need to be messaged accordingly, a system that will help you not only sell now, but build an audience that will want to buy from you in the future, and a structure that will help you attack content, lead generation, and sales. So save your seat and join me there. Again, that's johnlimmer.com slash CWC. Now it's your turn. What other factors impact cost per conversion with Facebook ads? Let me know in the comments. Go to johnlimmer.com slash convert.